Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Well, I would just like to say that after a week of reflection, being back at home, away from Lincoln for the last seven or eight days. Man, is it football season yet? I I think I might be flying out to Ireland for that game because, man, I just need me some live football. Well, we're going to talk about some football here, Rob, and we have a a wonderful guest that we're going to get to here in a minute. First, let's go through our our normal housekeeping. Uh, Next week, uh, Monday, April 25th at 8.30, we're going to have special guest Damon Benning on. So, uh, Redcasters, make sure to tune in for that. Of course, you can always go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and use the promo code REDCAST. Get $10 off for the year. Uh, we are starting up a, a new show, the Fan Forum, kind of a spinoff, where we're going to have four questions, one-on-one conversations with all kinds of Husker fans out there. So uh, that's going to be fun. And then Smack and Smooch, our custom shirts and specialty items. Uh, Shane and Laura, give them a call. Use the QR code there, 308-325-2542. You can get all kinds of good gear. I'm wearing uh, the Go Big Redcast shirt that I got from them just a couple weeks ago there. So, uh, yeah, we're all wearing our our gear. But uh, tonight uh, we have a very special guest, and he is a registered NFL PA member contract advisor since 1990. He's negotiated more than half a billion, with a B, dollars in contracts for more than 100 NFL athletes from first and second round draft picks to second and third contracts for veterans. His Twitter description also says pro mindset coach, podcaster, and sports attorney. But to many Redcasters out there, you can just call him JoJo's dad. We welcome to the Redcast, Craig Doman. How are you doing tonight, Craig? I'm doing great, guys. It's it's uh, You know you've arrived when you're known by your son more than yourself. So that's <laughs> Yeah, well, I, it's oh sorry, go ahead. Well, you have a the, the pro mindset podcast, and and you mentioned being a pro mindset coach. That was a one of the first questions Rob and I were just going to have is explain to us what that's new to us. What does a, a pro mindset coach do, and what does that mean? Well, here's the thing: when you look at you know the NFL draft that's coming up in a couple of weeks, the the talking heads in the NFL are going to spend all their time talking about the first rounders because those guys are getting the most money. They're the face of the organization. And yet three years from now, half of those first rounders are going to be busts. And they're going to be replaced by the Cooper Cups that were drafted in the third, fourth round. And then Tom Brady's that were, you know, drafted in the sixth round. The Jojo and, Domans. And hopefully Jojo Doman too. And so mm-hmm. what I what I did was about, I don't know, probably five, six years ago, I went on a little bit of a mission to try to figure out something the NFL teams haven't been able to figure out which is why do some guys that get drafted the first round bust and why do some guys that don't even get drafted at all, they end up becoming pro bowlers and they do all these tests. And I've seen, a, I've had a front seat this year more than any year in my business of watching the scrutiny and the evaluation that there's just the thoroughness of the evaluation that NFL teams do with these players. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's intense. I mean, they want to know everything about these guys. And yet they still mess up on draft weekend. And mm-hmm. the, the question I have is why? How does that happen? How do you spend mm-hmm. millions of dollars and have cross checkers and over the toppers and 
different people from different levels of the organization. You have the coaches integrated with the front office, and yet you still can't figure out if Thibodeau is the guy or not. Is Aiden Hutchinson going to be the guy or not? Okay. And so I interviewed about 250 NFL type people, front office people, coaches, players, um, scouts, trying to figure out, just asking everybody, what do you think it is? And I came up with six traits, six principles that if you don't have these things, it's only a matter of time before you bust. And some people, when they don't have adversity, it doesn't show up. When everything's going smooth, like when they roll out the they're this is what's going to happen when the guys get drafted in the first round. They're going to get them from Vegas, put them on an airplane. They're going to fly to Seattle and New York and Miami and everywhere else across the country. And some of those guys are going to show up the next morning and be in a press conference and be announced as, hey, this, the franchise savior. But what's going to happen when they play against NFL competition? What's mm-hmm. going to happen when the fans and the media get on their butts because they're not performing like they expected? What's going to happen when they don't even be, they're not even a starter from the day one. So their, their, their mindset is being attacked. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the show today, I'd like to go through these six things, but the first, I'll just go over the first one right now. The first one is I've kind of created this identity triangle and every one of us has an identity triangle and the ABCs of our identity triangle are your attitude, your belief, and your confidence. Well, your attitude is the energy that we emanate. It's the guy, like in the locker room, dudes walk in with energy. They got a jam. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not feeling it, their teammates can feel it. Their coaches can feel it. That That's easy. That's easy. Okay. All you got to do is get some caffeine and you can have a better attitude. Okay. That's that's really pretty shallow. But here's where the the, the thing I can tell you is confidence comes from previous successes and knowing that you can do it, just like when uh, when some rookie goes out there and shows that he can do it, all of a sudden he's got more confidence than he had before because mm-hmm. everybody believes. But here's where the identity um, breaks down. Do you believe in yourself 100%? And everybody probably thinks they do, but they don't. In the NFL, there's a lot of 99.9ers. And those are dudes that believe in themselves 99.9%. My son was one of those guys when I dropped him off in Lincoln, Nebraska on June 4th, whatever year it was, 10 years ago when he showed up. Okay. I told him, I said, until you believe in yourself, other people are not going to believe in you. And when you're a high school stud, you got everybody else talking for you. You got rivals talking for you. You got the media talking for you. What do you believe? And so when JoJo had those two ACL injuries, Mm -hmm. that's when he figured out who he was. That's when he figured out that if he didn't believe in himself, no one else was going to. That was a critical, pivotal, pivotal moment in his life and his football career. And when he... When he uh, messed up his ACL the first time, he had a handful of coaches come over, a handful of teammates come over to the clinic the next morning, the night the night of. The second surgery, nobody showed up. Not one coach and not one teammate. And that was the year that Mike Riley was fired 
And Scott Frost comes from UCF and nobody from the coaching staff talks to Jojo for a couple months because he's damaged goods. Who wants to hang out with a guy that's just had a second ACL surgery? I wouldn't want to. He's bad luck. So Jojo had a, uh, an interview with Coach Frost after the spring game that he didn't participate in because he was rehabbing. And I said, hey, man, find out what you need to do. And JoJo calls me after that meeting with Frost and coach said the, co- the meeting was like 30 seconds. He said, when you get healthy, we'll have something to talk about. Until you get healthy, we don't have anything to talk about. Well, that's not a, that's not a condemnation on coach Frost. Every single coach in America would have did the same thing. That's when you find out who you are. When I took him to the stadium after the second ACL and parked next to the statue of Tom, Tom Osborne and went parked the car, came back, he hadn't moved. He was frozen. He had crutches. He was frozen. I'm like, bro, what's going on? He says, I can't move. So I went into the sports medicine department and said, hey, guys, we need a wheelchair. This guy's jacked up. You know what? It wasn't his body. It was his mind. That's why JoJo's turned into the man he's become because he came from a very dark spot that a lot of people can't recover from. And so when you go back to identity, I don't care what NFL player you take, they're going to face similar situations. And a lot of them are not going to come out of those dark places. Well, you know, I think, Craig, I guess here's a question from Jim in Minnesota, and I think you've answered it already. But JoJo came back successfully from two ACL injuries. What's the key, in your opinion, for young athletes to overcome repeated injury setbacks? We've had some other players on the team, the current team, that have had multiple injuries too. I mean, how do is – it, is it just the positive mindset there? Is, it, is that what, what got JoJo through it? I mean, how do you come back, especially that first one, and how hard that is to come back happens again? I mean, it – is, is it is it all the mindset basically at that point? I think it's about 90% mindset. And I think the other part of it is training. I think mm-hmm. some of the guys that have non-contact injuries, both of JoJo's ACLs were non-contact. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the staff members at the university sent me a video of JoJo's first ACL. And he was just running three-quarter speed. And a, he was running with the ones. He was playing safety. And it was just kind of like they were playing – powder puff practice. And next thing you know, he hits the ground, rolls, grabs his knee, and he tore his ACL. And that was it? That was it. He, nobody hit him. It wasn't anything electric about it. So to recover from that, I think number one is you need to evaluate your training and make sure that you don't have any compensation going on, that you're not favoring certain parts of your, of your mm-hmm. muscular structure, Things that are over my head. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a doctor, but it's understanding the biomechanics of your body and understanding is there a reason that you're having these repeated injuries. And then the second thing is, it's all about your mindset. It's mm-hmm. all about your belief in yourself. In fact, you guys, you get you know, the energy you get from your from your viewers and your audience is a direct correlation of the energy you give them. 
So is yeah, that fair? I mean, R- Rob is all energy, man. He gives and Rob I, gives energy. So you know, I am I am uh, I I am five cups of uh, coffee, a couple of uh, smoothies with some uh, protein powder in there in it every single day about this time. So well, my wife cra- my wife can't figure out why why I can't sleep till eleven o'clock. <laughs> well, cra- I love I love what you're saying here though, and and you're applying it towards the pros. You're applying it uh, obviously as a a pro mindset coach, but we're a college podcast here and the same things that you're talking about the NFL, you know, how many, the resources to go and bring these guys in guys bust. Well, that stuff happens all the time here at the college level too. Uh, Jojo, I think what, what he was a three-star, right? He's not a four-star. He wasn't a five-star. Well, I I've always had issue with star systems to begin with number one, but, but we get four stars and five stars that bust out too. So what are some of the things, if you were talking to coach Frost and the staff, if you were talking to college staffs instead of pro staffs, how do you apply your message instead of being a pro mindset coach to being a college mindset coach? Cause I want, I want less bust right now in Lincoln. That's, that's I'm, I'm selfish Husker fan. You know, how does it, how does it work at that level? Not only does it work at that level, but it works in corporations. It works everywhere. Mm-hmm. These things are universal principles, but with respect to an identity, a lot of people have conditional belief. That means as long as, so think about all the guy, young men that show up at University of Nebraska to play football. Mm-hmm. Almost every one of them is the best athlete on the field in every game they play in their last year in high school. Now, if they go to Northwestern, one of those schools down in South Beach, you know, South Florida, there might be 22 guys going to, going to college. But in most cases, they're the dude. So what happens is when they show up at Memorial Stadium and they go out, they show up in the weight room, they show out, they show up in the Hawks Center, they find out everybody else is good too. So then they start wondering, they got their heads spinning. Hey, maybe I'm not as good as I thought it was. Maybe this guy's better than me. Maybe the thing that the coaches promised me, promised me when I came here isn't going to come true. So they're dealing with all these. It's basically the, the, the song that we sing to ourselves it's the story we tell ourselves. We don't know the story that a young man's going to be telling himself when he shows up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the reason why is because the circumstances are different than what they were in high school. And, and so kind of moving forward to, to answer your question, I would want to know the, the level of passion they have for the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys want to be recruited. That's why on Twitter they say, hey, I'm blessed to have another D1 offer from so-and-so university. That's the world they're living in, not in the weight room, not working with the speed coach, not working with the position coach, not learning more about the the X's and O's of ball. They're Mm -hmm. they're becoming social media stars. So what NIL allows you to be in a perpetual um, series of being recruited anymore. I mean, now you can, you know, in transfer portal, you, you can be recruited for four years. It never ends. And, and all, the, all I, a player's going to do is have a blockbuster freshman year and walk into the head coach and say, hey, I'm thinking about hitting the portal. And by the boom, they're calling the collective guy and saying, hey, do you got some more cash for this guy? We got to keep this guy. Well, technically, they're not so, calling him because they can't have any association with the collective <laughs> in the state of Nebraska. So we don't want to accuse anybody yeah. of, of of doing anything like that. But I, I guess since we're talking about the portal, one of the things I'm curious about, too, and Honky and I talked about it before the show was 
how is NIL affecting the ability for these players to speak with agents prior to, um, you know, prior to now that they're being on on, in college, right? There was a question that was asked. So like, does that change the rules with you as an agent and being able to have contact with these players or is there, you know, how does that work? The way it works is that nothing's changed in terms of communication. We've always, we could talk to kids on the third grade, just couldn't give them anything of value and they can't, sign any documents with us. Okay. So those rules haven't changed, but here, what, here's what has changed. Now parents and players want to talk to people in our business because we have contacts with marketing companies that can put money in their pockets. Okay. I really feel like the landscape of college sports, especially college football has changed so much because of the portal and because of NIL that it's, it's worse than pro football. It's worse than professional sports. There's no regulation right now. There's no regulation. There's no governing bodies that uh, have, you know, promulgated rules that go, hey, bro, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. It is the wild, wild west right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're a college football coach, you, you, you go see this guy 10 times and you bring him on campus two or three times and he commits to you and he signs a letter of intent. He shows up on campus and then you got to keep recruiting him. And you got to keep them happy. And that's why a lot of the, the narrative that coaches uh, spew out in their interviews is hedging their bets. They're not, they're not, they're not, commit, you know, I'm not saying, Rob, you're the dude. No, I'm getting both you guys are still in competition. But really behind the scenes, Rob, you're the dude. Okay. Because they got to keep mom and dad happy from c- calling up the coach and saying, hey, I thought my kid was going to be the starter. Okay. So, the, the bottom line is in the pro football, you sign four years. Yeah, you can hold out. But the NFL has all these ways to get your money back, take money out of your pocket in the, in the form of fines. In college football, you, you think you're getting a kid for three or four or five years? You're getting him for maybe three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the transfer portal gives them the, the, the free, at least the one free uh, transfer so you can be gone at any point you, before you even had a chance to play. I, I see so many correlations between the college and the pro game right now with things you've talked about. You, you bring in the the pro guy that doesn't have the right mindset and, you know, all the pressure in the world that he's going to be the savior of, of some team and then, you know, he busts out, right? Well, right now we have the same thing with transfer portals. We're bringing in a kid that, you know, whatever it is, quarterback, you name the position, this is going to be the savior, right? Well, what if he's not? Or what if, he, you know, he still needs to compete, right? He still needs to win the position. There's other guys that want that spot too. If if it was a year ago and we brought in the top hybrid safety outside linebacker in the in the transfer portal to come here, JoJo's not just going to sit there and go, oh, well, you're, number, you're the top guy in the portal. Here's the position. No, he's going to. It, that's his spot. You're not going to take that from me. Right. And I mean, that's, that's where we're at with every, every position right now, every group, but, uh, but you see the same things. It's the same phrases that college fans say that pro fans say when it comes down to this guy's going to be the savior, this guy's going to come in and fix it. This guy is, is that, and I I'm getting, I'm believing in this mindset thing, because if you don't have the right mindset coming into this, if you don't understand what Nebraska is like from the, the fishbowl, if you're a player that hasn't been in a, an environment like Nebraska, which is different from, from other schools, I mean, you're already behind the eight ball before you even put on the pads for the first time. Well, and, and I guess, I'm sorry, I, 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 no, I don't mean don't. to interrupt, but I guess the um, my, my one of the questions that I wanted to ask you too is, you know, 
as an NFL agent, you know, and raising a son, right, who is playing college sports and has obviously as any other college athlete has, you know, has dreams of the of the pros, right? Um, we have a quick clip that we want to show you a little bit of the uh, JoJo interview, right? Um, and, and you can hear it, but I want to know what is that like for you coaching, you know, and, and after the clip you can answer, but what's it like for you coaching or not coaching, but being the father of a kid that has NFL talent and, you know, and how it maybe has changed your view as an agent overall just this last year. So let's, let's watch that clip. Um, well, one, like on a fundamental level, like as a father, like he believes in me and right. Thinks that I can do everything he did and more, which then having that from, you know, my dad is, is powerful and is, uh, inspiring to just let me do that. And, and it's not something that he just did all of a sudden, like it's been happening my whole life, right. His, him creating opportunities for me to succeed, putting his business secondary to coaching his kids and raising his and raising a family um is something that i definitely hold dear to me and um just all of that has kind of led to me being able to trust him and and also seeing how he operates seeing how he's worked my whole life right building relationships with his players um he does things the right way he he does his work with integrity and that's something that you know i i want to be a part of that's pretty cool yeah, I mean that. I mean, if you're not tearing up, I am a little bit watching that because <laughs> I I have four kids of my own, right? And they all and they all make me proud in in different ways uh, constantly every single day. So, um, tell me what that's like for you right now. I mean, you're you know next week is a huge week, right? Like, tell me about what it's like to get to this point for you, what it's like being at this point right now, and and what's it going to be like for you next week when you guys are waiting for that phone to ring. Well, first, I want to say that it doesn't matter if your kids play football or sports or not. What we all want for our kids is for them to believe in themselves and to believe that they can do anything they put their minds to. It doesn't matter if it's business or medicine. It doesn't matter. And so my wife and I have always had this philosophy that we've kind of stolen it from the Manning brothers. You know, all we have three kids. You All three can be successful. And I think what happens too often, and I see this in the from the agent viewpoint, everybody puts that player on a pedestal and the family revolves around that kid and it distorts the family. It creates dysfunction. So what we've done is we've told all three of our kids from when they were knee high, all of you guys can achieve your dreams. All you guys go for it. Failure is a good thing. You know, if it doesn't happen, you, hey, you got no regrets. You move on to the next chapter of your life. So with sports, we didn't, I didn't live through my kids in sports. I coached them, but I treated everybody else's kids the same because I didn't, we, you know, I didn't want to play daddy ball. Okay. That balls, you make your kid the quarterback, you make your kid the point guard and everybody else revolves around your kid where with Jojo, he's a very talented kid when he was seven, eight, nine, ten. If you saw some of the videos that he's, you know, my wife videotaped most of his games, they're insane. He was, he was crazy spinning and just the stuff he, he was actually, he looked more athletic then than he does now. But anyway, I made him play right tackle. I made him play center. He played nose guard. He played everywhere. He played receiver and didn't get the ball thrown to him. Okay. 
because I wanted him to learn football and also be a team player. I did the same thing for his brother. So with, with this parenting thing, I would say the biggest thing that moms and dads should do is support your children's dreams. Let them decide how far they want to go in those dreams, but don't live through their dreams because it's got to be their dream. So when you look at identity, let's go back to identity. Anybody that their, their belief in themselves is a surrogate identity, it's because dad believes in them or mama believes in them, they will only go so far. They have to believe in themselves, okay? And then in terms of watching JoJo and Brock and, and my daughter Riley develop in their different disciplines, we, just, we were just supportive. You know, I was very open with, with JoJo about, hey, when you go to play big-time football, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. It's going to be different than what everybody thinks it's going to be. When you go to the rivals camps and you go on those recruiting visits, it's pretty cool. They do roll out the red carpet. But they roll in the red carpet. They roll it up when you show up after you've signed your, your letter of intent. So what does that look like? Does a senior want to want you to take his job when you're a freshman? Absolutely not. So there's going to be guys in the locker room that are not even going to be for you, even though they're your teammates. Not because they don't like you, but because they like themselves more. That's a very normal dynamic in every locker room in the country. <clears throat> so basically, all I did was kind of share with my kids, especially in Judge's case, hey, this is what it's like. Well, guess what? <clears throat> We're driving around in a car. I'm taking them to soccer practice, taking them to hoops practice. And I get a call from a client or I get a call from a GM. And something happened. I would take every one of those situations and turn it into a teaching moment with my kid. Excuse me. <clears throat> so if a kid, you know, was not a hard worker and it backfired on him, I was like, hey, you know what? He got what he deserved because he did it. He didn't put in the work. So whether it comes with off the field transgressions or certain things that happen on the field, it gave me an opportunity to coach up Jojo. So when he did face that adversity, he wasn't shocked. It wasn't the first time. A lot of my best clients have overcome the most adversity. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of just kind of like wrapping this up next week is a culmination of really that the family, the family success. The fact that everybody's for everybody. Um, yes, JoJo's the, the, the person that has the opportunity to be drafted, but it's really every, you know, high tide rises all boats. We got a high tide going on here. You know, the JoJo's success is a reflection of his mom. JoJo's success is a reflection of his sister and his brother. And so it's not just him doing it by himself and us putting him on a pedestal. And going, oh, my God, you got all this talent or all this whatever. No, it's all of us working together. So mm. what I'm going to do next week is I'm just going to enjoy the process. I didn't, you know, I never anticipated I'd have a kid in that situation. But I know too much. Have you have do you have other clients as well that are kind of waiting to be drafted as well? This, this I, have a couple other, I have a couple other clients, one from University of Illinois and one from uh, Colorado. Okay. And uh, they were both coach referrals. Um, you know, I only recruited one other kid this year, but, um, yeah, actually it was Husker, but anyway, um, 51 after he declared, um, can you, can, I knew, 
Cam, Cam. Okay. I, I are you that, are you representing him or no? I am not. I think the okay. young man's going to have a terrific career. Oh man, he is a fantastic player. Maybe a better person than he is a player, and he's mm-hmm. got he's he's got what the NFL's looking for. You know that yeah. leadership, athleticism. He's a tough sob. So he's he he's got a shot to be. You know who knows what's going to happen to that young man. He could be a Pro Bowler multiple years before it's all over. And that's so. and that's an interesting story because that's a kid that comes here as a tight end, wasn't going to be a center, you know. And then they they made that move. And I remember when they switched him to center, it's kind of like out of left field, like whoa. But it was that foresight, and you see that you see that a lot now with what they're doing when they're bringing in kids, and they you know they they get their hand size and their feet size, and how big can this kid grow, and how you know when you're projecting them out like that to project Cam to be what he's become, uh, you know, the the best thing that he can do for Nebraska right now is go out there in the pros and and just just kill it for, you know, a number of years. I have a question with JoJo here because you've talked about, you know, the adversity. And certainly in his case, I mean, two ACLs, that's a, that's a ton of adversity by itself. Coaching changes. Um, I was talking to a former player the other day about that about what it was like having a different coach. And I mean, one guy almost left where, you know, just cause his position coach left. Um, did he, I mean, did, did that ever come across? Did Jojo ever say, you know, gosh, I want to, I want to leave, you know, I, you know, somewhere around 2017 is all that transitions going on. Is he calling you up saying, you know, I want to come home or is he, is it, I'm just going to, I'm going to battle through this and I'm going to come out better at the end. I mean, what was his mindset at that time? Well, I think in, all the conversations we had leading up to him and going to Nebraska, I basically said, this is your deal. This is a hundred percent on you. Whatever happens, whether you become a starter or you become a scrub or you end up losing your scholarship because you're not good enough to play. It's a hundred percent on you. You will get out of this, what you put into it. And so I didn't allow him to have anybody to blame for his circumstances or his success, but him. And so when he faced adversity, he never called once ever and said, hey, I'm thinking about transferring. Maybe I should get out of here. This coach doesn't like me. Uh, This is, you know, they're bringing in all, you know, he had like, I don't know, five or six position coaches during the term that he was there. Mm -hmm. Never once, never once. He has, I mean, to my, almost to my amazement, he's been committed to Nebraska the whole time. And after the after his fifth year, I was even thinking as an agent, maybe you should think about moving on. They weren't, you know, the program's been in a little bit of a funk. It's like, maybe you should explore options. I call him up and said, you want me to explore options? Because I know people. And he says, mm-hmm. no, I'm good here. I'm good. I'm staying here. I'm going to finish this thing. So he's he's almost been blindly loyal to, the, to Nebraska his whole time there. And I think mm-hmm. that paid dividends for him is you know sixth year because you don't come back for a sixth year unless you really like it mm-hmm. you don't perform like he performed unless you're really you know in it and you have a high level of commitment and even despite the fact he wasn't a captain he was he was a leader oh my gosh and, i think of that ohio state game and he's got the, what it was his hand right was it they have like a club on his hand and the performance he put out there and, and what ended up being his last game. But I mean, how many players wouldn't have even played that game, 
you know, the performance he put on there, the toughness that he showed up with, I mean, it's easy to become that crowd favorite and fan favorite. And, you know, I know last year he had a podcast that was a a very popular uh, podcast with Husker online. And, uh, you know, he's a charismatic kid, but that kind of toughness and everything that he showed in that game, you know, at the biggest stage against the best team on the, on the schedule. I mean, that's something I'll always remember about him. And, uh, and he did that time and time again through his career. So Craig, what, um, I guess, and, and I'm going to ask the next question here because it's actually coming from it. Someone's asking, uh, you know, are there any teams specifically that you guys are talking to right now about Jojo? I mean, you know, kind of what that process is like. Cause when I asked Jojo that he said he had pretty much talked to everybody. Um, you know, there was maybe three or four teams that he mentioned that seemed to have a little bit more interest. Is that narrowing down? Is that expanding? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you, and, and just a real quick, um, you know, oh, tell uh, him you're a Raiders fan, please tell I, him you're a Raiders I, fan. Actually, Rob. no, I wasn't going to bring that up, but since you did, yeah, I'm a Raiders <laughs> fan. I would love to see Jojo as a Raider. Can you imagine him playing like with Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones? I mean, seriously, I mean, those two guys alone right there are just going to, are just going to show that kid exactly what it's like to be an NFL player. But I, that's not my question. What okay. I, what I wanted, what I was curious about was um, the other day I was watching NFL network and mm. There was just this quick thing going on in the morning. They were talking about some of the players in the draft and they were kind of doing a quick round table and they asked, said, okay, a player that nobody's talking about um, anybody like anybody here have one player that nobody's talking about that five, six years down the road, you're going to see them still on NFL rosters making an impact. And one of the people there, and I wasn't even really paying attention. And all of a sudden I heard one of the people there said, Jojo Doman from Nebraska, he's going to go in the later rounds, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And, you know, but I see him being one of those players that's still on the roster down there. And it blew my mind because, you know, as a Nebraska fan, obviously we see this sort of thing and we believe that because we see the way that he's performed, the heart he puts into every single play he's on the field. Right. But, you know, I wish I I was looking for that clip everywhere that I could find it. I can't find it anywhere, but I just, I'm curious. So what are you guys hearing about him for next week? Is there, you know, is there a specific you know, team or teams that are really looking to like pick him up that that you see interest from? Well, here's the thing about Jojo. He, because he played really, really well against some of the best teams is his last season at Nebraska. The fact that he went to the senior bowl and interviewed with all 32 teams. He went to the combine and met with a bunch of teams in Indianapolis. The mystery's gone. The, The fact that he had his own podcast and he's got a lot of media materials out there when they put their interns to work to, Hey, see if you can find some dirt on this kid. See what kind of, what, what kind of background he has. There's not, there's no secrets on that kid. It's all out there, right? Mm-hmm. He is who he is. He stands for what he stands for. Um, all those types of things. And so a majority of the process, the last couple of weeks is on the people that are fitting into one of three categories. Either you're considering them for the first round or you're hoping other people think you're considering them for the first round. So it's more of a smokescreen. You have people that have questionable off-the-field history, and you want to look them eyeball to eyeball, get them on the board. You've heard they're slow learners. You've heard they don't care about something. They, they're electric on the field, but, man, you want to, you want to fight. You want to determine for yourself. So the only way you can do that is by flying them in for a top 30 visit and going to eyeball to eyeball with them. And then the th- 
third type of guy is typically a guy that might have an injury and they want a lingering injury like the Jamison Williams kid towards ACL late in the year. You bring a kid like that in so your doctors can get a last minute, get their hands on them and give you a, basically a medical opinion about the, the condition of that player. Okay. Jojo doesn't fit in any of those three. So Jojo right now could go in the third round. He could go in the no round. I expect him to be drafted, but there's probably a five or 10% chance he doesn't. There's also probably a five or 10% chance he gets drafted in the middle of the third round. I didn't say 90%. I said five or 10. And for him to get drafted at the highest level, some things have to line up on draft day. He's got to be on their board at a position where he's attractive to them. They have to have a vision for him. Not everybody's going to have a vision for JoJo. He's not your prototypical, you know, he doesn't fit in a box. Okay. He's a sub package cover linebacker. That's what he is. He's a four core special teams guy. He's a leader. He's going to come in there and he's going to, if he does what he's always done, he's going to turn that sub package cover linebacker role into a three down linebacker. That's what he's going to do, mm-hmm. but they're not going to give him that shot at the beginning because he doesn't have the prototypical size for that. And he doesn't have the experience of doing that at Nebraska where he's playing in the box, taking on offensive guards with 34 inch irons that are six, five. So the team, if a team that sees him like that and that wants him and they get somebody else in the third round that's available, Jojo slides. Mm. might be a fourth rounder that doesn't happen in the fourth round he could be a fifth rounder and, and we could keep going and so at some point in time it probably in the sixth round somebody's just going to say what the hell i'm just going to take this kid makes too many plays okay so maybe his floor is sixth round but realistically his floor is undrafted okay um there's guys that were projected to go the first round back in september they're not going to get drafted this next week mm. just the way the business works so in terms of teams I can't name a team because he's had so much contact with multiple teams mm-hmm. that teams don't typically call you up and go, bro, we're taking your guy with the hundred you know, 116th pick. <laughs> Doesn't I, I, I see that. I see yeah, that. It's not going to happen that way. Yeah. And here's why, because teams generally have about 120 to 150 guys on their board. There was 343 young men that went, there it is right there. So it's 343 young men or so that went to the combine this year and less than half are on their draft boards. And the bottom line is there's there's probably five or 10 teams where JoJo's not even on their draft board because he doesn't fit what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to tell us that, okay? Mm. And so guess how many teams he can play four at a time? One. Yeah. One. Yeah, so, hopefully it's in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful stadium. He can take oh his money, go, go up the strip and go gamble it away. <laughs> yeah, I, one of the things we showed the video earlier of JoJo talking about you um, with Rob there on the, when they did a lunch cast a couple weeks ago. Uh, I want to show a video, and it's part of the video series that you guys have done on YouTube. And uh, it's you coaching him up and you talking with him. And I, I really like the relationship from father to son, son to father here. But 
this is something uh, that you gave him a call, I think, uh, before one of the one of the things that he was doing with the with the NFL. Hey, Jojo, it's Dad. Hey, man, I'm leaving uh, practice number one to go pick up Mama. Uh, come back and watch you practice. I just wanted to let you know this is a game of uh, energy management. Be dialed in when it's your turn. Just go be you. Go be the best vibration of Jojo. Go be you, man. And understand that energy, being competitive, and being physical are three things that you do and when you do it, you shine, and that's what this is about. Love you, dude. Bye. Be the best vibration of you. I, I think that's a that's an amazing statement. There, we have a question from one of the viewers, Brad, and he had, he says, "Would you have any advice on how kids transitioning from high school to college can work on their motor? From your point of view, how does a guy make that mental switch? I mean, everything you just said to JoJo there in that phone call, it, it's it, it's." be the best vibration you just it's it's literally just be do the things you already have done you don't have to do anything out you know out of that that norm be the best you i mean what advice do you have to those kids but basically would it be the same thing that you just told jojo well here's what i would tell you is that anybody that doesn't have a motor maybe doesn't give the effort that they're capable of maybe they're blessed with some god-given ability and yet it's not showing up in domination on the field or on the court most of the time, it's it's a reflection of their passion. So what I would love to know is, why does the kid play what he plays? Because he may not be playing for him. He may be playing for others. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough pill to swallow from a parent perspective, but it's a truth. And so when when there's an alignment between what you do and what you love, the motor's going all the time. Okay. You guys are working at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night because you love what you do. And you will be working once you shut down your show, everybody else is going to bed and you're still going to be doing stuff to prep your show. Right. Because you obviously love what you do. So there's nothing wrong with a young man or young woman, not being a soccer player, not being a football player. Where is their passion? And, and I think that's where it's at. And I think the other part of it is, as parents, we can put, there's unintended consequences to all of our comments. How many times have you said something to your wife and uh, she took it the wrong way? Or how many times do you say stuff to your kids and the same thing? You've got to be real mindful of how you communicate the words you use and the expectations you have about your kids' performance. If they start feeling like, they, my parents love me because I'm performing. Kids will intuitively almost sandbag to see what the parents do. See how they respond. Love me. Yeah. I, you know, I coached, I coached youth football for 15 years and you could always tell, I mean, within minutes you could tell if that kid wanted to be out there. If, if, if he's playing, if it's his dad that, is living vicariously through the kid, whatever it is, you could always see that. And whether the kid is, and this is, we're not talking motor. We're not talking talent. We're not talking any of that. We're just talking the, the want to. Um, coach Frost has said it from the day one that he's been here. He said at the first coach's clinic that I went to, you know, we want kids that love football. That was a big thing. Love football. 
Um, Mickey Joseph has come in and said the same thing, and he's coaching the receivers. And we've had a guy, one of our best athletes, one of the best talented guys on the team. Um, right now, he, he's not on the team, basically kind of walking away, just doesn't have that love right now for it. He may come back. He may not. I don't, I don't know any of the specifics there, but it's literally it's that – it, especially at this level, college and now at the pros, it is so hard. It is so, the, the it is so hard to be great at that. That if you don't love it, I don't know how you're waking up at five thirty in the morning and doing the things that that players are asked to do. Rob lives in Greeley, and we had Kevin Williams, who's a transfer from Northern Colorado. Went he was going to you know playing there Sp- last in Greeley, year. yeah, yeah, in Greeley, and he's talking about being up at five thirty in the morning outdoors because they don't have an indoor facility to do this stuff, and they're outdoors at five thirty on February. First, you know, doing all the things outside. If you don't love football, how do you how do you wake up and do that? Because everyone wants the ninety degree, seventy five thousand people in the stands Saturdays. That that's great. I mean, that's fun. I who wouldn't want to be that player? But it's all the things to that you have to do that are behind the scenes when nobody else is watching, and all your friends who aren't playing football aren't doing it. I mean, that's those are the moments. That's and that's the stuff that makes you the great player. But you got to be willing to to do it. JoJo said that when uh, we were off air. I think Rob before yeah. you started recording and he was and he was just talking about like the food that he's eating right now he's like you know hey you just you put away the ice cream you you put away these things that you know he said you, that on the show he said put away the ice cream that? stop eating the nachos you know like yeah. all that um one of the you know and and i played i played soccer in high school um i was a pretty decent soccer player played briefly at the next level Bragger. um and i and i read and i ran track too um and i still now even now to this day keep a photo of me receiving the most improved on the track team award. And the reason I keep this, this picture is not because of, of what I was receiving because um, I keep it because Jeff Stanley was my coach. Right. And he used to yell at me. My nickname from him was brain dead. He said, I ran like I, like my brain was turned off. I never listened to a word he said, but every day before every race, he'd walk up and he'd say, how are you feeling today? And I'd say, I'm going to win. And he would always give me words and they've stuck with me forever. And you can ask any one of my kids, any one of my four children, well, not the two-year-old yet, but you could ask them, what is dad's motto in life? And it's, don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you can do, right? And I have taken that from Jeff. And my dad was my coach growing up. And, and you know, we didn't always see eye to eye with everything going, but he was always there, always supportive, you know, to tell me the good and the bad. But Coach Stanley, for whatever reason, just those words, I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter every race. And I always made sure to, you know, say it to him. He'd say, how you feeling today? I say, I'm going to win. And I didn't always win, but he always said to me, don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you can do. And I use those words as motivation still in life, you know, and it's like, and, and to your point, you know, there's just certain things that each person in this, whether you're playing sports or just, you know, doing your job every single day, right. You, you have to like find your motivation. What is, what is your why, right? Like not to be too, you know, a buzzword or anything like that, but it, it sounds like, you know, this is sort of the thing that you tell your players too. You know, I mean, you have a long list of guys from, you know, Nebraska and guys in the NFL that have played for teams like the Broncos, Chiefs, Packers, Chargers, Cardinals, Raiders. Um, you know, even you were even Scott Frost agent when he was on the Jets. Am I right? Like, I mean, you know, and, and this list of players that you have, you know, um, Mike Minter on there, you've got Chris Dishman. You know, Steve you, Warren, you know, no. Steve Warren, Eric Stokes. I mean, yeah, these and, are all guys and, that like, I, think about, like I Steve, know the names. 
And I think about Steve Warren. There's a guy that's turned around and now he has a Warren Academy out there in Omaha and he's working with kids. Didn't Jojo didn't last summer him and Ben Stilly, did they do like a oh a kids camp one day? I think it, they're not I allowed remember, to be the right. pro, they're not allowed to be the pros though. They just they just have to be there and help coach the kids. They can't be the pros yet. Sure. I remember just, I remember him saying that. It's that love of that sport and to, to want to turn it's around your and, camp. and coach and coach the the next generation too. I just it's, think that's it's, that's it's actually actually honky. That's a that's a great segue and a great way for for this gentleman to sell it. It's your camp, right? Isn't it? Isn't it your yeah, football we've had camp? A pro football camp in Colorado Springs for seventeen years, and so okay. it was my opportunity to bring my clients in, spend a week with them, kind of see where their headspace was going into training camp. And talk about their goals. So we would get together and talk goal setting. And yes, the camp was going on. Little kids were being coached and things like that. But for me, from the agent perspective, it was it was precious to have that opportunity to talk to my guys. And right before camp is a pivotal time for these guys because baby baby mama's going like, hey, you need to get the honey do list a mile long before you go to training camp and you disappear for five months. Okay. And then the dude's thinking man, I want to get all the fun things I want to do done before I go get locked up in training camp and I can't do any of this fun stuff anymore. So these guys are in almost a twisted state of mind because they're trying to figure out how do I go from being all this freedom during the off season to now I'm going to training camp where you're, you're doing football 24 seven. Okay. And our football camp was just a medium for that. And we still do it. Judge is going to be our, our featured pro this year. And we'll bring in some other guys you know, eight or 10 other players. But last summer, because of NIL and because we do this camp, we know the blueprint. Ben Stilly and JoJo did a camp in Lincoln for one day, had 151 kids show up mm-hmm. on two weeks' notice. And it was a wonderful opportunity for the community. It was great for the kids. It was great for Ben and JoJo to be able to, hey, invite your teammates to come and help out. And be a leader, be a spokesperson and make a difference in a young man's life that looks up to you. Some of these guys are seven, eight, 10 years old, and they want to be where you're at. Don't take that lightly. You have not, you know, that's the best thing about sports, especially pro sports and college football too. You have an opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives. So what's the name of your, what's the name of your camp in case any of our listeners may be interested in maybe sending their kids there? Like myself, I have a son who's pro, at our school, so high school. It's, so it's pro football camp for pro football camp. Yeah. It's in Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs for uh, young boys and girls. We have girls mm-hmm. that come too. And when is that? It, this year you'd have to ask Teddy, but I think it's like, <laughs> like 12, 13, 14th, right in there. For those of you listening, Teddy, Teddy is, um, uh, actually, uh, Craig is Teddy's husband, um, <laughs> just like he's Jojo said. And I've had many, I've had many conversations with your with your wife uh, before the interview with Jojo and before the interview with you. And I'm sure I'll talk to her after this too. And I can't tell you, there's not a more pleasant woman in this world to to talk to you about all this because I can tell she's like the center of your guys' universe. Like she's she's the glue holding all this together. And and I'm not just saying that to to be nice. Like she really has a handle on what all of you guys are doing. She's telling me about all the little things you guys are doing with your days, you know, here and there and, and how, you know, she's running rampant. So I don't know, maybe if you want to talk a little bit about her and how she's holding stuff together and as, and as a marketing rep too, because it's actually really interesting the way that you've developed your family to not only um, raise a family, 
but you've but you've turned your whole family almost into also almost into like a business model to where you guys get to spend you know the optimal time together and i think that's awesome and something that redcasters would want to hear about well when i first met teddy um and we got married she her second or third job was working in sports and so i was finishing up law school and she was living in washington dc uh running the the mcdonald's all-american high school basketball game so i met shaquille o'neal when he was 17 and he was wearing like size 22 or 23 shoes and he didn't have shoes that fit and we're all scrambling trying to help on on finding shoes give me an opportunity to hang, hang out with john wooden you know i picked him up at the airport brought him to the game because he was one of the the ambassadors for the game and so met grand hill teddy did um white house tours before 9 11 when the everything was kind of shut down with grand hill and all these guys that are very prominent former nba guys uh the fab five guys were people that we knew sean bradley the seven foot uh six mm -hmm. kid from byu byu yeah oh yeah can't so, forget him. And then teddy went from there to work at mcdonald's corporation it was a global sports director so I actually, Jojo learned to walk in Paris. We lived in Paris in 98 for six weeks during World Cup soccer. And Jojo went to a World Cup soccer game before he was two years old. And I negotiated Scott Frost's contract from Paris that summer. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great time, by the way. Good um, job. And it's crazy. So like nine o'clock at night when it's like seven in the morning in New York, I'm I'm having a conversation with the Jets. And so Teddy's always been like the the she's been a sports lady her whole life. And so when the boys wanted to do things, my daughter went from sports to entertainment, theater, performance. She's kind of been the driving force. I wouldn't say kinda, she has been the driving force to encourage, you know, nurture and foster an environment where everybody can go chase their dream. And so I mentioned that earlier, but the, the nucleus of that is, is Teddy. She's the one that, you know, when I'm running around and flying all over the place and dealing with pros, she was the one that was like the coach for our kids. And so a lot of the positive attributes our kids have come directly from her. Hmm. That's a, that's, that that's great. Um, I'm not going to lie. She may have prompted me a little bit to mention something like that, you know, but um, you know, we, we recently had a show where we had a uh, six uh, women that are all Husker fans. They're big prominent on Twitter out there, everything. And we had them come on and talk about it. The Husk and, girls, um, we call the them. Husk girls, we called them. Yeah. And uh, you know, so, so we like to make sure that, that all of these uh, dudes out there listening to the show and all of our women too know that, uh, the, the saying is true behind every good man is a better woman. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, and that's, uh, and that's something that, that we believe in, especially when it comes to, to the family model and everything. Um, I have one, I have one story or I don't know. It's not really a question, I guess, but when I was back in the day, when I was doing the coaching, um, I was also like an athletic director for our league and we were trying to get more kids to come out early. And so I was working at, at the, the local cable station. I get Matt Davison to come over and, do a, a, a TV ad promoting kids coming out. Well, he was roommates at that time with Scott Frost. And that same day that he came out and did the, the TV ad with us, Frost was getting one of his last year's contracts. Like, well, I think it, it might've been the last one he ever did, but like Matt was explaining how 
and I don't, th- I don't think this way. I'm not in the pros, obviously, but he's like Scott has to have so many more games to get to that to the pension, and it, it's like literally the pension. Like w- it was like some formula of like you know so many games over so many years. How does that work? Like you know, d- is it just simply you play X number of games and now you now you get it, or is it you have to be in there for you know be in the pros for so long? I mean, how does that work? Well, the full the standard for being fully vested is having four four credited seasons. So that means you have to be in the NFL for four seasons, but being on the practice squad doesn't count. Okay. So you have to be on the active 53 for three games. Three games is considered one season for credited seasons. Hmm. And so when a young man gets those four, every benefit that's out there in the NFL, they get it. But here's the thing. If you play 10 years, and get 10 credited seasons, every benefit that you get is more than if you only play four. Mm-hmm. So the idea is obviously play as long as you can because then you get the supplemental money down the road. And so a lot of players, and, and some of it has to do with health insurance and different things like that. So it's like they just want to get that third game in their fourth year. And, you know, Scott Scott was not a primetime NFL guy, right? So he was one of those guys that wanted to play his little ink out as many years as he could because he didn't know he was going to become the head coach of Nebraska and do what he's done financially, right? So every every guy that does that doesn't know that either. So they're trying to maximize their NFL benefits. And a lot of these guys end up becoming very successful down the road and something else. And those benefits are not as important as they were back then. So – I'm I'm curious too, and since we're talking a little bit about Frost here as well, um, when we talked, uh, you, you mentioned how jo- JoJo made the decision to come back for a sixth year. You know everything after his injury. Did he have a relationship with Frost at all? Because you represented him, so did that kind of play into that at all? With, with you know him being able to already know and maybe trust this new guy coming in to coach the mm. team, did did that help at all? That's a great question. And the answer is absolutely not. Okay. So the way it works is that I have relationships me actually. So I have a lot of relationships with a lot of college coaches around the country. And the, the worst thing a dad can do is interject himself into a relationship between his son and his coach. Well, I didn't know if they had met before that or anything. Or... They met in 1998 in Chicago when Jojo was one. Okay. So, no, so that, that probably no, wasn't a lasting memory in JoJo's mind. It wasn't probably. a lasting memory for either one of them. Okay. That's great to know because yeah. a lot of people listening are, are – Yeah, are, if you're trying to connect the dots. I'm going to try to connect the dots there, right? So I yeah. And I was curious about that because, um, you know, it, it it I guess it shows a lot more about um, JoJo's integrity, I guess, as a person too because it wasn't – he wasn't doing it as like because he knew this guy, right? He – I'm sure he knew of him, obviously, but you know that's 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 really interesting to me because I was curious. It kind of came up was whether or not they had that relationship beforehand. So, hmm. you know, I guess no, yeah. there was no there was no pre-existing relationship, and you know, I think that men that are in Frost's position, they, they Scott's got a tough job. I mean, yeah. he's got a tough job. He's trying to coach football. He's trying to keep the alumni happy. He's got to follow all the guidelines of the administration, the NCAA and everything else. It, it, it's almost like, you know, having a canoe that's, that's got, that's, that's bring, that's 
it's water's coming in and you're trying to patch the holes. And every college football coach is dealing with the same thing. Some of them have better systems to make sure those, the, they don't take on too much water, but there isn't a program in the country that's not bringing in water. You know, guys leaving that they didn't want guys declaring early before they expected them to guys flunking out guys coming from Florida and not liking the weather you could pick you, you, you pick it. Don't think that Nebraska is dealing with unique problems. Everybody's got these same challenges. And I tip my hat off to college football coaches because they work crazy hours and they spend a lot of energy and they have to recruit 24 seven within the guidelines of the NCAA pro football coaches. On the other hand, have it a lot better. Those guys get time off. They can work on their golf game. They can spend time with their families. They don't have to recruit. And during the, during the season, they're as dedicated or more dedicated than college football coaches. But during the off season, aside from this draft draft evaluation process, they actually get a summer. Some of them get six weeks. Some of them get two months. You tell me the last time you've seen a college football coach, Power Five, take two months off. No, it doesn't happen. It's not, it's not just Coach Frost. It's all those guys. They work their butts off. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, I, I think I just read something the other day with Alabama has, you know, had 22, 23 guys have gone into the transfer portal. And again, you know, that's that's Nick Saban, right? And he's dealing with the same issues and what we always say on this show is whether we like the transfer portal or whether we like NIL or not as a moot point, it, it is what it is right now. And that the successful coaches are going to be the ones that navigate this better than the ones that don't, you know, and Nebraska has a history and has had a history of doing well at the things that they can control. I mean, back in the day, it was strength and conditioning and, and uh, nutrition and doing things, but you know, when other schools weren't and right now, you know, as fans, and that's all we are. We're just fans. What I hope is that uh, we can be the best at NIL and that we can be the best at transfer portals. And I hope that we are treating our players as well as any team treats their, their players in the country. That's that's what I really that's what I want to hear. Um, it was it was a little strange to hear about you. You mentioned after Jojo's second knee uh, injury to to kind of be off on an island a little bit. I hate to hear that. I mean, that's not what I want to hear. We have guys injured right now. And I hope that, you know, the, the culture within the program is, you know, you want, you want the guys being supported. You want them to have every opportunity to succeed. But at the end of the day, I also love and appreciate what you've talked about with Jojo, that he didn't blame anybody. You know, but when I asked you point blank, you know, did he ever talk about leaving? You're like, Nope. He didn't blame the injuries. He didn't blame the issues on, on any, anyone else. He just, he stuck it out. He worked harder. Adversity made him better. And that's the thing that when Rob hears those things on NFL Network that, you know, hey, that JoJo kid might be the guy that's playing six years from now, seven years from now, eight years from now. All that stuff's rooted in the things that he's done up to this point. It wouldn't shock me at all to see that. Well, and it was such and, an interesting. And it's, it's, oh, it's that mindset, man. That's a tough, that's a tough kid. That's a, that's a good, I, I just love it. It was, and it was such an interesting story too, because uh, I, I actually heard that story before um, from Teddy when I was driving out to Lincoln. Her and I were having a conversation, and I had what seven hour drive, and um, I got her on the phone to talk to her a little bit about setting up your interview and and a couple other things. And she was telling me the story, and I told her I was going to get a uh, tour of Memorial Stadium, and she said, "Well, if you get a chance to walk into, you know, the training room, you know, like." 
just picture this, you know, it's like these tables are right up by the front door. That's where, you know, our, our son is sitting there. We're standing there with him. One of his best friends just walked right by him, didn't yeah. even look him in the eye. And yeah. she said that, so I'm standing there and I'm talking with our friend, Tyler Kai, who's, you know, the associate athletic director there. And, and I'm telling him this story while we're standing there looking at it. And I'm like, it's just so weird that like yesterday, which was the day before when I was driving out, I'm hearing the story and I'm trying to imagine what that'd be like. And now I'm standing in the training room next to the table where Jojo was sitting, you know, like picturing all this thinking like, my God, this is like, I, I kind of don't want to be in this room anymore because it's like, it's got this connotation to it now where it's almost like, this is not where you want to be as a football player in this program. You don't want to Well, and be it's one this- of those moments you know, Rob, it's one of yeah. those moments too, where those are the moments that us fans don't get to see. Yeah. We get to see the kid out there and 70,000 people cheering and, and 90 degree weather in September and making the big catch or the big interception. We don't see the the things that you have as parents have seen you as a, as an agent that you've seen, you, you get to see a lot of those other moments that aren't always as pleasurable and, and fun for the, the guys. But, you know, one of the things, Craig, every time we do this, it's like, this is going to be a 25 minute, 30 minute show, you know, probably tops. And then, you know, we'll let you go. And here we are an hour and four minutes. And that's, that's pretty standard. Oh my goodness. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Wow. So wait, I have one last question that somebody has asked, and I thought this was a good one and, and you can laugh a little bit about it. Um, is it the Jerry McGuire? Yeah. yeah there you go. Brad Richards. And he says, and this can be our last question. Then we can yep. let you go too. Brad, Brad Richards says, Jerry McGuire, truth or not so much about how the industry operates. I would say, hey, Jerry Maguire is very, it shows the transparency of the industry. It is very cutthroat. And, you know, it's like, it's a game of what have you done for me lately? You know, I feel like the same thing college football coaches feel like. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, you're not showing enough love to a young man, you know what? He's going he's gonna to go in a different direction. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act to keep all these guys happy. And so what I've learned to do is I'm not focused on their happiness. What I focus on is being the guy that tells them the truth, that it can help them maximize their career, maximize their money, maximize their success. So when this bad boy is all over and the curtain, you know, shuts on their career, they've got the most money in the bank. Hopefully they've got great health. They've got fantastic relationships and they have opportunities to springboard to their future. And so with Jerry Maguire, it is absolutely true, but you wouldn't expect it to be really any other way. And I'd like to wrap this up by saying a couple of things. Okay. If I can. No, All please, right. please. Florida. One is that I'm going to go back to something we talked about earlier. Cause I think there's so many parents out there that love their kids so bad that they want their, their young men or young, young boys or young girls to have, the experience of playing college sports or playing pro sports. And I think the thing that they've got to do is understand that one of the best things they can do is just push them out of the plane without a parachute, let them figure it out. Okay. What we, what we do is we we're the hel- Most of us are helicopter parents. Want to make sure our kids are doing the right thing, being on the right team, being at the right place, being seen by the right people, all these things. And that's not what pro sports is about. That's not what division, that's not what power five division one football is about because it's never going to be perfect. And you can't, you can't save your kids once they get to that point. So the best way you can train your kids to be ready for that primetime college football is by letting them figure it out when they're in the seventh grade, 
and ninth grade. Because if they don't figure it out, then they're going to be that guy that hits the portal. They're going to be that guy that calls home that says, hey, you know, I don't really like the coaches as much as I thought I would. I didn't think I, I don't really want to play football. And you don't have any. The fans have no idea what really is going on, because the reality of it is every NFL team does this and every power five school does this. They create a narrative. Is the narrative reality? No, nah, maybe a little bit, but not 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 100 percent. So. Can you believe anything that and I, I, I say this respectfully? Can you believe anything that comes out of a coach's mouth? And the answer is some of it, but not all of it, because they can't tell you the truth. The fans can't handle the truth. The locker room can't handle the truth. So they just they create narratives. And in pro football, that's the way it is. You know, and they say, hey, whatever. And it's like we had to let him go. Um, the second thing I wanted to hit on was something that that video that you showed that I um, recorded by driving my car in Mobile, Alabama. Mm -hmm. My my father had died the night before. So my head my headspace was crazy. Jojo was going into his first practice. I went to the first practice just to kind of check it out, to see the other team. And what every person, man or woman wants to do is they want to please their parents. There really isn't a kid out there that doesn't want to please their parents. So if you have a, a, if you have a people pleaser kid, they're miserable because they're trying, they're trying to figure out, do I do this for dad or do I do it for me or should I do this or that? So what I constantly, what I constantly do with my kids is I let it be about them. That's why I said in that video, be the best, best vibration of you. You get to decide what that is. You're not playing it for me. So one thing that I've done like the last three years for all my kids is when they have some big moment and in football, it's a game. I record a video that's anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. And I, and I text it to him. So like every single game judge played at Nebraska, at least the last three years, he had a dad video in his mailbox before he showed up at the stadium, home game, away game. And I would, basically take the vibe that I was getting from the program and get the vibe from him. And I tried to relieve, I tried to release stress, basically eliminate pressure. Because when, when young men are trying to go out there to do something more than they are, and they're trying to carry the, the success of the team on their shoulders, and they're trying to, they, they think they're defined by their wins and losses, they usually fail. But if you give them permission to go be the best version of them and that you're going to love them, win, lose, or draw, and that, you know, be an example for the younger guys when you're an older guy, be a leader if, if that's your role on the team, do your job, do what the coaches ask you to do. Most of the time, it's going to turn out okay. And so that's what I do with my kids. My kid that said, Louisville, I do the same thing. It's just like, man, there's only so many things a, an athlete can control. So let's focus on the ones you can. And let somebody else worry about the other ones. And Craig, we need to have you on every week. I, I just feel better. I, I feel more uplifted <laughs> right now. I'm not kidding, Rob. You uh, know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come visit you down in Colorado Springs and buy you lunch in a few weeks, man. I, come on down. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'll text Teddy. I actually um, will be in the Springs here coming up in the near future so maybe i maybe we can touch base or something when i'm down there because i'd love to just meet you guys in, in person um i mean hey, I, I would love to have you back on the show too just because 
I kind of thought this might just be a draft talk tonight, which to be quite honest, is not really that interesting to me. I'm not a big NFL draft guy, right? This is so much different. This is, I understand what the pro mindset coach means now that we talked about at the very beginning. I understand better what that means after talking with you. And, and, and these kind of messages, I, I think so much with Husker, especially kids that come and play in Nebraska that aren't from Nebraska originally, that really don't know the fishbowl that it, that it is. I can only imagine the amount of pressure on those kids. And then, yeah, now you lose a game. You, you know, last year that had to be tough on the defense a year ago. You're playing so well. You're, you're holding Michigan State to 13 yards in the second half, and you're losing the game. You did not, you know, you did everything as well as you could. And, and then do you feel the pressure? Is it on social media? Is it we try to play our little tiny role that this podcast can do is we try to be a, a positive voice on, on, on uh, social media. We try to, we try to, to bring out positives on the show, even when the losses are happening, we're not happy, but of course we know the players aren't either. And we're, we just don't want to pile onto that, but I can only imagine what it's like to be in that locker room and you're giving it your all you're showing up at five 30. You're, you're in that training room getting taped up. I mean, you're doing, you're giving it everything and it just for whatever reason isn't isn't showing up in the w column but um i don't know i mean those are the lessons in life that that uh, all those guys that that jojo played with last year i mean they're gonna it's gonna make them better in the long run but uh this has been a lot of fun i really appreciate you coming on yeah um, and, and oh sorry go ahead no no go go Rob. i was just gonna say and just and just so uh your other son brock too just so he knows man i'll be watching all the louisville games next year because oh. you know when he, when he gets his opportunity you know, to get in there and play. If he plays with half the heart that JoJo plays with, he's going to be great. So yeah, that was right. When JoJo you know. was on the the show, he was wearing. It, we didn't see it very well, but he had like an Adidas red red uh, sweatshirt with Adidas on it. But he he pointed the camera down. He's like, yeah, it's a Cardinal thing. I'm. I, was yeah. it the next day? Was their spring game? Was yeah, that yeah. He was, he was going out of the game maybe. Ago. Well, here's here. I want to say one more thing because it just popped in my head. Okay, is that you, you guys have a you guys have a tremendous amount of influence, you know, for all your audience. And it's like, we got to build people up and we got to make people feel good. And, you know, the Nebraska football program has been in a situation where they're not winning as many games as they should. They've been so dang close the last couple of years. It's been frustrating for everybody. Do you not think it's frustrating for the kids and the players? Do you not think it's frustrating for the coaches? probably affects their marriages, affects their relationships with their neighbors and their kids. Okay. So what we have to do is understand that the scoreboard is important. And it really is. That's why they keep score. Mm. But improvement and development and influence and impact are also important. And I think that, you know, as the NIL programs develop, yes, it's about money. But it's also an opportunity for these student athletes to make an impact on young kids that are trying to decide between being a video guy and playing video games all day. Or maybe I should go shoot baskets in the driveway so I'm a better shooter. It's like they have a chance to make a make a difference in young people's lives that look up to them. And yes, I would love for these guys to go 10 and 2 this year. But if they don't, it's okay. They're going 15 and 0. They're going <laughs> Rob, Rob is 15-0 guy. Well, <laughs> as, is, as is tradition on the Redcast, uh, we do parting shots at the end. We always allow our, our guests to do the final parting shot. So I'm going to go around to Rob and then to you. I'm actually going to give my – I have one. And uh, uh, today, uh, Tony Watson, former Husker bat- baseball player, he announced his uh, retirement. 
after 11 MLB seasons. And there's a great example of a, you know, a, a player, a pro player that, you know, everyone would like to have that kind of career, but uh, um, it was, uh, we just want to give our, our congrats to him and happy retirement to Tony Watson. That's a hell of a career there to have. And uh, he showed, uh, he showed Husker baseball well at the, at the pro level. So pro big red Rob. Well, you know, I wasn't really sure what my parting shot was going to be, but I think I do now. And that is, if you're not going to go into every day being the best version of you and you didn't take that message away from this show tonight and you're not sharing this show with at least five of your friends telling them this has nothing to do with the Huskers. This is like a life podcast. This is the, this is the go big Redcast first life, po- life coaching <laughs> podcast. Um, you're missing out because quite frankly, I mean, all I know is that tomorrow when I'm out there and I'm playing around a golf with a couple of my buddies, I'm going to go out there and be the best version of me. And I'll probably be the best vibration shoot. of you, Rob. That's right. I'm going to be the, and I'm going to probably still shoot 30 over par. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all right. And okay. Craig, take us out of here. Okay. I'm just going to say this. Everybody, everybody defines athletes by how much money they make and how many strikeouts they have or touchdowns or whatever the case may be. I think what we have to do is redefine, especially when it's a family member or a friend, this next couple of weeks for Jojo, he, this is just icing on the cake. You know, whether he's a third rounder, fifth rounder, seventh rounder, no rounder, this is a wonder, wonderful opportunity for him. It's a wonderful opportunity for our family just to say, hey, let's go. Let's go see what you can do. And then when you look at what happens on draft day, it's like a commencement. Everybody thinks in high school when you go to commencement, you're finished. The word mm-hmm. commencement means begin. Mm-hmm. So Rojo's beginning his adult life outside of college in the NFL. That's his first job. So he's going to have to take it. He's going to have to be, he's going to have to be on his P's and Q's to, to take care of his business. But whether he plays two weeks or 10 years, he's going to be successful in our family's eyes and all these athletes that are going through this process, even if they're quote unquote bust because they're first rounders, they're going to live. They're going to learn life lessons that are going to help them be successful after football. Amen. Man, I could I could go another hour. I, I honestly could. Um, Craig, thank you so much. Like I said, it would be great to have you on again. Uh, just I, I think there's a lot of wisdom that you can that you can help give in a future Redcast as well. So we'll, we'll I, definitely be in touch with you and keep in touch. Yeah, maybe maybe sometime like right before training camp starts for the NFL or something and and uh, some of your players are, are getting in there and we can talk mm-hmm. a little bit maybe about some of the journey of some of these Husker guys because that would be awesome. But, yeah. All right. Well, well Rob, you it, need to bring your kids down to a football camp. I will. And we I'm need gonna, to do – I'll talk to Teddy about in it. July. Great. We need yeah. to do a show in July where we're in the same same room. Yeah, and we could do that. You're you're in you're in Nebraska, and do a show in July. Let's do uh, it. I love it. It's already it's scheduled. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Craig. And uh, that was another Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. A Huda Media Production.